Hello. In this week's show, the UN ramps up aid for eastern Afghanistan, where communities are reeling after its deadliest earthquake in decades. In Nigeria, the humanitarian crisis in the northeast still needs all our attention, as UN Ocha country aid chief Matthias Schmal tells us. But it's far from the only place where that's the case, according to a new UNICEF alert. And in Ukraine, the targeting of cultural treasures must stop, says UNESCO chief Audrey Azoulay. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up, Dateline Geneva, with me, Daniel Johnson. First, the news. A day after a deadly earthquake hit eastern Afghanistan, killing at least 1,000 people, UN humanitarians confirmed on Thursday that more emergency relief has been deployed to help affected communities. The World Food Programme, WFP, said that 18 trucks were being sent with food and logistics support. This includes high-energy biscuits and mobile storage units. WFP plans to provide emergency food to an initial 3,000 households and is ready to ramp up its support once it has more information. The remote district of Gian and Barmal in Paktika province and Spera in Kost province were among the areas worst hit after the 5.9 magnitude quake struck in the early hours of Wednesday morning while people were sleeping. In Barmal, more than 70% of homes were completely destroyed. At least 1,000 people have reportedly been killed, with 2,000 others injured. And WFP said in a statement that rescue efforts have continued to be hampered by heavy rain and winds, as well as poor internet connectivity. Activity. The disaster has added to Afghanistan's existing unprecedented crisis, the UN agency noted, referring to the 19 million people who face acute hunger across the country because of drought and the economic crisis linked to the Taliban takeover last August. To Ukraine, where a new count of damage to the country's cultural heritage has revealed that more than 150 sites have been partially or totally destroyed since the Russian invasion. UN agency UNESCO carried out the checks and on Thursday reiterated its call to halt repeated attacks on cultural sites. Most of the damage is in three regions, Donetsk, where the fighting is still particularly intense, Kharkiv and Kyiv. The UN Educational, Scientific and Cultural Body also reiterated that international law urges the protection of cultural focal points during armed conflict. Since the beginning of the war in Ukraine, 70 religious buildings have been damaged irreparably or in part, along with 30 historical structures, 18 cultural centres, 15 monuments, 12 museums and 7 libraries. In a statement, Director General of UNESCO Audrey Azoulay insisted that cultural heritage in all its forms should not be targeted under any circumstances. Ms. Azoulay cited the Hague Convention for the Protection of Cultural Property in the event of armed conflict as the guiding international humanitarian law on the matter. Because of the global hunger crisis, every single minute one child is pushed into life-threatening severe malnutrition. That's the alarming message on Thursday from UN Children's Fund UNICEF, which issued the alert for 15 countries in crisis where the situation is worsening. The UN agency warning comes as world leaders prepare to gather for the G7 summit in Germany in coming days. UNICEF has called for $1.2 billion to meet urgent needs of 8 million children at risk of death from severe wasting in 15 mainly African nations such as Burkina Faso, Chad, Kenya, Somalia and Sudan, but also Afghanistan and Haiti. The UN agency stressed that the number of desperately hungry children suffering from severe wasting has continued to grow in the countries where it's raised the alarm. Between January and June, that number increased by well over a quarter of a million, from 7.67 million to 7.93 million children. 
This comes as the price of ready-to-use food to treat severe wasting has soared by 16% in recent weeks, owing to a sharp rise in the cost of raw ingredients. UNICEF warned that the price spike has left up to 600,000 additional children without access to life-saving treatment and at risk of death. The headlines there, and staying with that UNICEF alert on child hunger, in Nigeria the situation is extremely worrying, particularly in northeast Nigeria, where more than a decade of violence by non-state armed groups has made humanitarian access extremely difficult and dangerous. With more, here's the UN's resident and humanitarian coordinator for Nigeria, Matthias Schmel, who I caught up with in Geneva this week. I am in Geneva with colleagues from the UN and NGO sector to raise the alarm bell over the situation in northeast Nigeria. We've appealed as per what we call the humanitarian response plan for $1.1 billion to support 5.5 million people. That was the ask at the beginning of the year. This appeal is so far only 20% funded. And we are really worried that if we don't get further funds soon, and we need a priority 350 million soon to avoid a much worse crisis later in the year. And by much worse, I mean, for example, that there are currently already 1.7 million children under five at risk of serious malnutrition. If we don't reach and support them soon, uh, 300,000 of them may be at risk of dying because of serious malnutrition. So we're ringing the alarm. We need money now to avoid the crisis becoming even worse. In addition to that staggering number of children who are already acutely malnourished and risk severe acute malnutrition, there are many areas you can't actually get to. I think that's one thing that people want to know about. How many people are affected in those inaccessible, hard-to-reach areas? Who is stopping you from getting in? So I think indeed it is important that we recall that the humanitarian needs are caused by a protracted non-international armed conflict. Um, the group that is known to be behind this is called Boko Haram and this has gone on for I think 12 years now the, the conflict in the northeast. Boko Haram has split meanwhile there are now two factions and one of them called ISWEP has quite a strong presence on the ground. They control an area where we believe there's a million people at least who do not have access to international assistance. Uh, they are cut off from the rest of the world and are, as far as we can tell, we don't have access, but reports that filter through are that they are extremely vulnerable and really in need of urgent assistance. So that's a pretty horrifying picture. Just try and explain what it is that these people might need from day to day. Yeah. So it really is, as in so many conflict-caused humanitarian needs situation, about basic needs. Uh, shelter, of course. Many are displaced. So outside the non-accessible areas, there are at least 2.2 million people displaced as a result of the conflict. So we can reach them, but they are displaced. They are not in their original home. So shelter is an important need. Food. We are talking, we're ringing the alarm bell today about malnutrition and food insecurity. So food is a second big need. A third one is water sanitation, water, safe water to drink. Those are the basic needs, uh, not to mention, of course, those displaced uh, need access to basic services and especially education and health. Uh, many of the children are out of school, their education will be stunted and they don't have access to proper health services. 
I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that last year's lean season lasted longer than usual because of climate change. So how are climate shocks affecting the populations you really want to reach? So more generally speaking, I often hear in Nigeria, I've been there a little over seven months now, that the Sahara is moving south and with the Sahara moving south, meaning increasing desertification and deforestation. And because the northeast, it's the north, it's the northern part of Nigeria that is closest to Sahara. And there are other parts of Nigeria, notably the northwest, that are affected by this. So the non-conflict related part of this is desertification, deforestation, which means agriculture becomes more difficult, which means that herders are moving south to find pasture for their cattle, their animals, which then leads in turn also in Adamawa state, for example, one of the three northeastern states to some conflicts between herders and farmers. So that's another way uh, this is manifests itself. But the main issue really of desertification and deforestation made more complex by conflict is access to arable farmland and for herders to have their cattle graze. And I was going to ask you next about how you've seen the impact of the Ukraine war. How's that impacted on your work and on vulnerable populations in Nigeria? So initially, I have to say there was some speculation, sadly, there's war economy involved, that as an oil-producing country, Nigeria might actually benefit from the war because of rising oil prices. The unfortunate reality, looking at it through that lens, is that Nigeria has many problems with refining oil and thus actually imports refined oil. And thus there is an, a negative impact of the crisis also in these terms. The main impact, however, that we're seeing so far is rising food prices around the world. You know, We try to prioritize local purchases. Uh, Nigeria, despite what I've just said in terms of the Sahara moving south, and increasing climate change impact, it in principle, in my understanding, is a country that could feed itself. So across Nigeria has enough arable land if it was managed properly, including making sure that produce gets to markets. Nigeria would have a far less dependence on food imports than it currently does. So back to your question, our main worry is we are seeing inflation across the world and the stuff we need to buy, including to help people in the north, Northeast is getting more expensive and thus crowding out the aid we have. To turn that round, that must be one of the UN's major objectives. Uh, so, so how are you, as the resident and humanitarian coordinator in the country, trying to garner the support and, of course, the funding for non-emergencies, for longer-term sustainable investment in agriculture, in farming, so that this can actually happen. The country can stand on its own two feet. So that's, I think, a very pertinent, important question. I strongly believe with many of my colleagues in the UN and international community that Nigeria will not move forward as a result of international aid. International aid will not make the difference. And to illustrate this a bit, the Nigerian government has one item in its federal budget that is about fuel subsidies on fuel subsidies alone, they spend double of what the international community brings in in aid. And Nigeria has a vibrant private sector. Some of the richest people in the continent live and work in Nigeria. So in my mind, and this is based on analysis shared by many others, the resources are in Nigeria. This is then essentially about a couple of things. One is 
good governance. You know, we are in the middle of an election season. Um, the current president has reached the end of a two-year term. So hopefully, as part of elections, candidates will present credible programs on how to fix Nigeria. And we see it as our role to help promote a dialogue around what are the solutions, the homegrown solutions. That's one. Clearly, there's investment needed into infrastructure. A big part of the problem of food that's produced not reaching markets is infrastructure, collapsing infrastructure. So priority is that. I think a big part of it is investment into young people. And so we are working with the private sector, in fact, and government to see what public-private partnerships can be established to bring young people into employment. Nigeria has a staggering 100 million people below the poverty line predicted by the end of this year and at least 50% of those are young people under the age of 25 so there also needs to be a prioritizing of what can be done to revive the economy and get young people into uh, income earning opportunities my thanks to Matthias Schmel for explaining needs and possible development solutions in Nigeria. One of the major worries is that as humanitarian emergencies increase, there's even less cash than usual for essential resilience building projects. It's a vicious cycle. With that thought, it's time for me to wrap things up. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to find out about the UN's work. We'll have some fresh stories next week. Hope to catch you then. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.